you know, we've been in a crazy world, haven't we? Probably more so in the last couple of years than before, but I look back and sort of go, our world just seems to be accelerating on this crazy cycle. And, you know, figuring out who we are and knowing who we are and being able to stand on that really solidly seems to be under attack. You know, it just, you know, I was thinking as a kid, you know, growing up, we didn't have some of the struggles that kids are, have today to grow up in, you know. There's that whole identity politics thing, the whole LGBTQI, IFM plus thing, all these different things that just go, hey, who are you? Ah, lay it out. There's all sorts of options. So hopefully you can't figure it out. And, um, you know, I just, e even in some of the distractions of, of trying to prepare, I came across some crazy um, YouTube videos that were, were talking about, you know, how our history isn't really our history. There's all sorts of crazy other alternative things that are there and the whole thing's just a conspiracy or it's just a, a cover-up, you know. We didn't, history isn't really true. And, you know, even through COVID, how many of us went, hang on a second, government's not sort of operating the way that we were taught government operates even. Like when I was at school, you know, you had the federal government that told the state governments what to do and the state governments told the local councils what to do and, you know, this is how it's all structured. And then COVID hits and the states are telling the federal what to do and that it's not really the way it was taught to us and it's just another thing to disrupt our world and our understanding and who we are and where things are at. So hopefully by the end of today, we can look at the topic that I've been given and go, okay, that I can be solid in. That I can know what the Bible says about that. And the topic is the children of God. I think when Matt first talked to me about it, I went, what, the cult group? <laughs> you know? Um, and when I've mentioned it to a couple of other people, like in our growth group this week, you know, one of the guys said, hey, you know, my journey with God and is sort of like, you know, I so much feel like a young adult that's left home and, um, you know, you, you want to do it all by yourself and the wheels fall off and you run out of money and you haven't got any money for food, so you go, Mum, Mum, I've run out of money, can you help? And that's what he's, we can be like with God. You know, one of the other guys in the growth group said, so the children of God, which ones? You know, are you talking about the children of Israel or are you talking about us? And, um, yeah, you know, which one? What are we talking about here? And as I looked at it and worked it through, I went, which one are we talking about? How many are there? Hang on a second, isn't Jesus the only son? How can we be children? Um, you have a look at Adam. Adam was, a, was the son of God. So I thought, let's do it in chronological order. Let's just break it down. Let's clean out some of these cobwebs and get to a sort of like a, a clean slate start to figure out what we're talking about. So Adam, in the genealogy in Luke, right near the end, it says, Seth was the son of Adam. 
Adam was the son of God. Hang on a second. Jesus is God's only son. How's that work? Well, in Genesis, it says God created them, human beings, in his own image. In the image of God, God created them, male and female. He created them. And so Adam is the son of God in that sense. He was came as a creation of God in God's image. And it was the son of God. And in some sense, that covers every human being ever because we are all created in God's image. But then sin entered into that. You know, there's a fractured relationship. At best, you could call that an estranged son of some sort. Then we've got the one that Jim said. Hey, the children of Israel, are they them? Is that who we're talking about? And, you know, as I pondered that and worked through that, I think as I was growing up in the church, there was this sense of they're the chosen ones. That's where all the heroes of faith are. You know, you've got David, you've got Abraham and Isaac and, you know, all these different guys that were all Jews. They were the chosen people of God. And in some way, who am I? I'm some sort of, what, Gentile? There's sort of a bit of a ring in. Am I in some way, you know, the second plan, plan B? I'm not really the son of God as God would have it. But And actually, as I've prepared for this, I actually looked at the passages around the children of Israel being the children of God. And I was sort of a bit unwound. I went, I'm missing something, I'm missing something. I actually rang up a friend and said, am I missing something here? Like, you know, I, I expected to go and go, here's the Abrahamic covenant. And God says, you know, I will be your God and you will be my children. And, you know, I'll multiply you out all over the earth and as far as the stars in the sky in the sense... That's not in the Abrahamic covenant. Yes, he promises to multiply the offspring of Abraham like that, but he doesn't lay claim to them as his children. And I went, hmm, hang on a second. How did they get to this point that I think that they're the children of God? And I find that there's a couple of passages. You know, there's, well, there's Moses saying to... uh, Pharaoh, you know, God says this is my firstborn children. This is my firstborn son, Israel is. And because of that, if you don't let them go, I'm going to wipe out your firstborn. Mm, Okay. It's a little vaguer than covenant language. There's a couple of other passages in Isaiah that talk about God gathering up his children from the north and the south, east and the west. There's Jeremiah where prophetically says that God is looking forward to the day when he can call them his children. And I went, wow, that's a whole lot vaguer than I thought it was. There was no doubt that they saw themselves as the family of God and God, you know, does actually refer to himself once or twice as their father. But certainly not that displacingness that I felt in my understanding of it all and going... I'm sort of somehow the ring-in that's second rate. And then you've got Jesus. Well, yes, Jesus is the one and only son. 
Well, that then excludes us, doesn't it? Yeah. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What do we do with that? How can we be the children when it says that he's the only child? And um, that's a different sort of sense, like talking about Adam as being a son of God. It's a different sort of sense of he is the one and only child. He is, there is that uniqueness. But in that same sense, it is the word became flesh. It's God came in bodily form as the son to actually demonstrate to us what a son-father relationship should really look like. And so there's a sort of a different sense to that. And when Jesus gets baptised, just in case we missed it, voice from heaven, what did it say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And, um, And you go, what's that all about? Is that just affirming him as son? I heard it said that this was sort of the practice of a Jewish father. And I haven't been able to confirm it, but it sort of sits well with scripture and what goes on in that. And I thought, it's a good picture, so I'll I'll use it anyway. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased would be what, you know, a dad who's been a carpenter and he's raised his son and his son's been working in the family business. He'd gather around the community and he'd say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and declare before the community that this son is now taking over the father's business. You can now sign contracts with him. You can do business with him as if he is me. And that sits with that whole thing of Jesus being God's son to demonstrate to us what it is to have this son-father relationship. So that brings us to us, you and me. Are we the children of God? If so, how? How do we know it? How can we actually nail it down, confirm it and say, that is my relationship, that is my identity? So that in this crazy world that tries to push and throw us and we can actually go, you know what? You can do what you like. I know who I am. That's where we want to get to. So the passage that I'm going to look at, it's Romans 8, verses 12 to 17. It's a little bit of, you know, typical Paul's Greek getting converted into English. It seems a little bit circular at times. So what we're going to do is read it through, and then I'm going to just pull it apart and talk about it bit by bit and see if we can really nail it out. So it says, Romans 8, 12 to 17, I'm reading from the... NLT, New Living Translation, and all the verses that I'm using are going to be from that translation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature... You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves? Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So let's pull it apart. Therefore, brothers and sisters, <laughs> sort of lets the cat out of the bag before he even begins, doesn't he? Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So we've got an option. As children of God, we've got an option to no longer live under the urges of our sinful nature. You've got no obligation to it. You know, you've, you've got options. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Hang on a second, don't we all die? Isn't that part of the human existence that we all, you know, it's the ultimate one in one statistic? Everybody dies. It's death and taxes, isn't it? So what's this die that it's talking about? This die is the biblical die. The biblical die? Separated from God. You will perish. If you live by the dictates of your sinful nature, you will perish. You will be separated from God eternally. Then it goes on. But... That's your alternative. You've got obligation or no obligation to keep doing that. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Live in contrast to die. So what is it to live? Well, we're all living. You know, it's blood pumping through our veins. It's, you know, being able to breathe. This live is the opposite to the death. It is you can actually be in relationship with the Heavenly Father. This is live as God created and intended it to be, not that dysfunctional relationship that ended up happening with Adam where the curse of the sin separated him from his heaven, you know, his creator. This is the opposite. So goes on in verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God four what's the four thing do because if you just go we're led by the spirit of God oh yeah well God told me that I should go get this car instead of that car is that what we're talking about by being led by the spirit of God not by what this passage is saying, because that four links us back to verse 13, which is, but through the power of the Spirit, 
We put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. So that's what being led by the Spirit is that we're talking about here. Not being that we can get on our high horse and hold up banners and say, you are doomed, you're going to hell. Um, that's, it's actually saying it's about dealing with your own crap. It's where the Holy Spirit goes and leads you to going, oh, that stuff there in me is what is breaking my relationship with God. And God points it out and he helps us with it through the power of his Holy Spirit. We're not left to just deal with it on our own, but we actually get to upend the whole equation. The equation is sin equals death. And we get to go death to sin equals life. But we can't just do death to sin. If we go back in Romans 8, back up to verse 3, it says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of your sinful nature. If we're just left to our own resource, we're stuffed. We're stuck in the whole thing of law. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to take this equation that actually leads us to separation from our God who created us and loves us to upend that, being led by his spirit to deal with our own stuff, to then be in the right relationship with God. And so this is sort of a little bit of a circular argument in that, hang on a second, we're children of God because we are led by the Spirit to deal with our stuff, which is actually the foundation, the actual proof that we're children of God. How cool is that? Like, in the whole struggle, you know, it's saying you're not actually stuck with being in that sinful nature. You've got options. The very fact that you've got options and that by the Spirit of God you're led into dealing with those options, that's the evidence that you're a child of God. By being a child of God, you actually have power to deal with this stuff because you're listening to the Holy Spirit. How good is that, that God has set that up that way for us? And so often what the enemy does is he says, you've fallen That's because you're not really a child. You're not being obedient to the Father. And he throws on all this rubbish on us. And yet it's the very evidence that we're having the fight is that we are the children because we are having the fight. If we didn't have the fight, we wouldn't be the children. (laughs) How cool is that? Like, and so... That's where you can stand in strength and go, okay, yeah, I have fallen. I have lived by the obligations of of my sinful nature and I haven't turned those things away. But now God's, you know, by the spirit of God, I've recognised those things afresh and I'm standing up for the fight. And that is what confirms that I am indeed his son or his daughter. Um, Because without the Holy Spirit, where's the conviction of your sin? So, and with the Holy Spirit, we can actually 
live in a place that's free. So, in contrast to, to the law of Moses, so we have, reading from verse 15 here, so we have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not stuck in the trap of trying to achieve the law that you cannot succeed in. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. When did he adopt you as his own children? Have you been adopted? How do you know? You were adopted the moment that you went, this sin thing is a problem for me. And you found that Jesus Christ had conquered the sin through his sacrifice on the cross. And you put your hand up to say, I want in. And that invited you into this battleground of not being obligated to your sinful nature. It doesn't mean that you don't have a sinful nature anymore, that you don't have that struggle anymore. It just means that you have options now because you put up your hand, you repented and said, God, Daddy, 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 I need your help. I can't do it by myself. He says, ah, you're calling out my name by my spirit. I will adopt you. And he says, you've said, Abba, Father. And what's verse 16 say? It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit and affirms that we are God's children. How intimate's that? His spirit joins with our spirit, not in condemnation, but in affirmation. That's the way God puts it. He wants to affirm that we are his children. And when the wheels fall off, When we've tried to be young adults and we've run out of cash, we haven't got any food left, we can again go, Daddy, Daddy, help. And what's he do? By his spirit, he affirms us. He lifts us up and he helps us. Verse 17 goes on saying, And since we are children... We are heirs. Heirs to what? In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Really? Hang on a second. God's glory? That's God's. Like, what's he talking about here? Anybody want to hazard a guess? What's God's glory? That we may inherit some of it. Riches in heaven? Carrying his presence, yeah? An existence without sin. So that's, some of that's future, some of that's now, isn't it? So we step into this thing of sonship, you know, and it says, like 
what I said with Jesus and the baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, we get to step into the Father's business. That's his glory. Actually seeing the healing of this world. His work in our lives. The fact that he can set people free from the obligation of sin. We get to go about being part of God's business and one day we will be in that place where we have the, a new body and a new earth that is set free of the curse of sin. So there is a now and there's a future part of all of that. But then it goes on and says, well, Christ doing the Father's business, where did that lead? To the cross. And so verse 17 says, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Do I need a little bit of persecution in my life to actually share in his suffering, do I? Now, maybe if I'm going along too well, I should go stir somebody up and stir up some trouble in my life so I can just have a little bit of persecution so I can have some more of God's glory. Is that how it works? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) So what does it actually mean by that we should share in his glory, but we should also share in his suffering. What was Christ's suffering? It was dying on a cross. What, that, what part of God's business was that? That was the suffering, that was the penalty being paid that we should actually no longer be under the curse. So when we actually share in his suffering... That's that invitation back at the start where it was saying we're now no longer under the obligation of sin. We are going to wage war on sin in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a painful process because we never actually get completely free of it here and now. That freedom comes in the future, but that's the battle now that actually confirms that we are his children. How good is that? That's the suffering that we actually struggle out that we actually have to partake in. So we get to turn the equation on its head. We get to put to death sin so that sin doesn't put us to death. But, but we don't have to do it alone. We get the Holy Spirit to lead us into it and we get the ability to call out, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy, I need your help in each and every step of that journey. So where does that leave us? Right now, that leaves you in one or two places. Well, maybe three. Which is it? Meh, maybe... I'll have a go at it. You're either in the battle and it's guerrilla warfare and it sucks, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit to turn to and ask for Daddy's help. Or you've laid down and you're pretending that 
those things that are convicting you aren't really real and you've given up some of the battle. And the Holy Spirit's poking you right now and saying, you know, you used to actually fight some of that stuff and you've given up on some of that fight. And you know what? That's the affirmation that, it, that you are indeed a son or a daughter of God. Or the third one is that you've never entered into the battle. You're actually not a son or daughter of God. And the Holy Spirit is instead knocking from the outside, going, you know what? Life sucks the way it's been. These good things of your sin have separated you from your creator. And now is the time to actually say, Oh, hang on a second, if I'm getting prompted by the Holy Spirit, that's God saying he wants to adopt me as his son or his daughter. And now is the time to actually respond to that and go, adopt me, adopt me, (laughs) and say through repentance, through saying I'm going to turn around with the power of your Holy Spirit leading me, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to accept you as my Lord and my God and my Father who is good in heaven, who loves me and wants the very best for me. And so you're in one of those three places. You're in the warfare. You're laying in the trenches trying to catch your breath and perhaps feel like you've given up on some of that stuff. Or you're in a place where God is saying, it's a time for a fresh start in life. You've never been my son, really, but you're created in my image and my heart and intent is to adopt you and lead you. So what I want to do is just um, stop and pray and invite God into whichever situation you're in. Lord God, we, um, we just thank you that we don't have to do life alone, that Sometimes in the barracks or in the, in the trenches feels um, hard work. Sometimes in this crazy world where everything's pushing them and throwing us about, we lose track of who we are. But we, we just want to um, open up to your Holy Spirit afresh and say, thank you for, that I am your son. Thank you, I am your daughter. Help me to get up and keep doing your business in this world of turning the equation of um, sin and death on its head that you may extend your love into the lives of those around me. Lord, we, we may be in the midst of guerrilla warfare where it just feels like the battle will never end. And again, we want to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, Lead us to the place where we can crush the serpent's head and know a new sense of freedom in our lives as we continue to go about your business as sons and daughters. Well, Lord, um, for those that, that have never said, hey, I want to turn from my ways and, and start afresh, I want you to be my dad. And I see that you sent your son to die in my place. I want to repent right now and accept your forgiveness. 
and walk as a son or a daughter into a new family with you. Lord, um, just by your spirit, give us each a fresh new start. Help us to stand firm in that new reality or that existing reality, that, that hope that will lead us to one day standing in full, unhindered relationship with you, with sin no longer, the decay and the perishing of our bodies no longer, a new earth, a new heaven that you promise us. Lord, we, um, we just ask that you'd help us to be faithful journeyers on the way. Help us to start afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen.